Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breadcrumbs. Today, I am joined by Oshint. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm going to pronounce it with that exclamation point at the end. Um, this individual has contributed resources in probably every OSINT community that you're a part of. Um, they're incredibly active in the Trace Labs Discord, dropping a tremendous amount of knowledge, and I'm really excited to have them on. OSINT, how's it going? It is going good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've been wanting to get you on the pod for a while, so I'm glad we our schedules finally synced up. Yeah, I played <laughs> phone tag there for a bit. <laughs> um so I probably know you from several different OSINT communities, but specifically the Trace Labs um Slack and then now the Trace Labs Discord. You're just always dropping a ton of resources and some are incredibly focused. Um some are incredibly broad and just sort of all encompassing. So if we could just start our conversation off with, you know, to quote the Joker, where do you get these wonderful toys? Uh, there are a lot of places, really. Uh, mainly Discord and Twitter, sometimes IRC, and sometimes just by Googling and searching GitHub for specific things that I'm looking for. And I'm like, hey, this is cool. I think other people might like it. And yeah, that's pretty much it. A lot of them come from Twitter, honestly. Do you find, I guess maybe I'll back it up a step. How do you keep track of all of these? Do you have just like a Word document or a folder? Um, like, how do you personally keep track of all these different resources? Because I, I would imagine you might have found one today that you'll then want to reference, like maybe a year from now. Like, how do you even keep track of all those resources? I uh, usually just put them in my bookmarks in my browser and then uh i have a folder of bookmarks that's just like new and then, and then uh i just go through and organize it integrate it into my lists publish it on github and my uh GitHub blog make a twitter post throw it on uh, every discord channel that i can if it's worth mentioning yeah um Let's just pivot off into that. I'm sure you probably come come across a lot of potential resources that either aren't applicable to the work you're doing or might just not be good resources. Is there sort of a process you go through to like vet these resources before you say drop them in the Discord or drop them on Twitter? Uh, yeah, usually say if it's like a, a script or a tool, uh, I'll install it on a VM and just play around with it and see if it actually works or say if I it needs, say it's an Instagram tool and I need to log into a sock puppet, I'll run it once or twice. And uh, if it bans my sock puppet immediately, I probably won't share it or I'll make a note of that. It's like, Hey, if you use this, you're going to get banned. <laughs> um, for websites and stuff, I just open it, click around. If it's cool information, useful, then uh, I just I just post it, and if people like it, cool. And if they don't, cool. <laughs> well, and um, it it it's 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 interesting what you've done, whether it was intentional or not. But th this is the reason I encourage people to blog, to 
just maintain a Git repo of things that they find useful. Um, whether anyone ever ever actually like reads your blog or like visits your GitHub repo, you've now got that information in an organized fashion that you can look back on. So for example, me personally, I've made a total of four blog posts my entire life, but one of those I've referenced pretty frequently um, just for a very specific situation, like how to, you know, compile OpenCV from source with NVIDIA GPU integration. Like that's an oddly specific thing to blog about, but those instructions were very hard to cobble together from the three or four different sites that I found. So by by me doing that, it really allowed me to at least have that information in an organized fashion. Or for yourself, you can look back on your entire Twitter history and there's a ton of resources or a GitHub that you've put together. So it's, you know, it it isn't just something that you have to put out there for others to consume. Like that, the the act of, you know, putting that information out there can also be incredibly helpful for yourself as well. Oh yeah, I reference my lists every day. <laughs> I, uh, it, it, it's honestly overwhelming. I think there's over two thousand links in the lists that I have, but. Control F is my friend, and uh, yeah, I always same with my article, uh, my OnlyFans article. I've looked forever just to see if anyone else has written an article about OnlyFans and OSINT. Couldn't find any, so I decided to write one, and uh, it's it's a little small, but I constantly see myself rereading that just because it's just the steps are there. And I don't have to regurgitate it. And it's just do this, do this, download this, check for this. Investigation over. Back to kind of the beginning of the question, just talking through like, where do you find these resources? And this is the thing about OSINT that I think a lot of people, like once it clicks for them, it all makes sense, but it can be tough for new people. Just Google it. Like if you're, if you're like just your exact scenario you're trying to solve for, just see what comes back. You'd probably be surprised. Yeah. Google. That's the first step. Always it's Google. And then I go DuckDuckGo, Yandex, Bing, all the other search engines. And, you know, be specific. Use dorks. Wrap things in quotes. You'll be surprised what you can find. Do you want to talk through maybe some of your Google foo just for the, for the newer people that might be listening to this, like what that is and why it's so valuable? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty basic for what I do. It's just say, if I'm looking for a person that lives in a specific location, I'll just put, you know, wrap their first name, last name in double quotes, and then I'll do capital and, and then quote, double quote, location double quote hit enter you know scroll through the 10 pages or however many results open everything (laughs) just to see what it is a lot of the times it's just random unrelated stuff or a person that i'm not looking for but oftentimes you can narrow it down pretty well yeah and if you If you consider that I'm, I'm, I'm using Google as kind of the stand in for what we'll to say big tech, but if you consider that Google essentially captures everything about everybody all the time, 
the information you're looking for is probably out there. It's just a matter of filtering down to it in an efficient fashion. Exactly. I think the internet itself is just one giant book written about all of us in real time. You just have to know how to read it. Well said. I'm 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 going to use that in the future. I apologize if I don't attribute it back to you, but that's definitely going hey man, in my list yours. of <laughs> that's going in my list of analogies. That's good. Going back to maybe the cataloging of resources, was there like a tipping point or was there a point where you realized, holy crap, I need to start keeping track of these? Like, was uh, it? Yeah, yeah, there was uh, a lot of Discord communities that I posted. You know, I got known as the, the OSINT guy, the OSINT wizard, and uh, all of these resources, they were just all unorganized in my bookmarks and i was just like okay i got over a thousand links here i need i gotta do something so that's when i decided back in october to uh publish it just write a big list and i i, I included descriptions with everything just little descriptions because a lot of lists uh, that are out there they don't really have descriptions of what the tool actually is and that kind of slowed me down because i would open a tool and be like what is this even for <laughs> so yeah hopefully other people find that as useful as i do yeah do you want to talk about you know what you do professionally sure i can't go into any super specific details of course but that's fine yeah so uh i'm a licensed pi private investigator and uh i specialize in a lot of the technical aspects of investigations so open source intelligence is the biggest one i do have a, a previous background in uh, infosec so cybersecurity. so that helped a lot i used to do that and uh it just honestly kind of got boring i needed more excitement so i figured Hey, being a spy, that would be a cool job. So never look back. How'd you end up going from InfoSec to PI work? Like, was it just, you just enjoyed like the investigative itch that you were yeah. trying to scratch? Or I guess like, how, how does, how does a person wind up as being a PI? It seems like one of those things you just sort of wake up one day and like, oh, I guess I'm a PI now. Yeah, I mean, I've always had a knack for OSINT and just finding information, you know, whatever it is about a person, place, business, or even just trying to find a, a scan of some really old book. You know, that's technically OSINT too. And uh, I'm a huge data hoarder, always have been. And that's kind of how I discovered my love for OSINT is just trying to find obscure information online and uh yeah i don't really know how to describe it <laughs> uh, when i was a kid i always thought being a spy would be the coolest job ever so i just decided it's like hey getting a pi license it's not that hard so i might as well do it and then uh, i got the license and got hired onto a firm almost immediately just because of my technical skill set and a lot of the guys that I work with, they're you know older in their fifties, ex-cops, ex-military. They don't really have a super strong technical background, so that's why they find me as an asset. When 
I was a kid. I was one to be a podcast host. So you see, oh, yeah. dreams do come true. <laughs> you just have to yes, dream small sometimes. <laughs> um, so back to being a PI. Um, oftentimes, either in the Trace Labs Discord or in, in other communities, people will come in and ask the question, how do I get a job in OSINT? Or I, I really like OSINT. Like, what are some jobs that would you know would even have that as a component um, and that could be tough because there aren't a lot of say pure OSINT jobs out there but I think private investigative work is probably one of the exceptions um, do you want to talk maybe like what part OSINT plays in PI work for those that might be interested yeah uh, OSINT is a huge part in any investigation at all this is the first step you know you have a client they come in they're like this is say it's a missing person oh my daughter ran away from home with her crazy boyfriend and you know they're like 15 so they're very active online usually so you have their name and say their email or whatever your client provides you the more information the better and then you just kind of go from there. And it's a very rewarding job too, being able to locate missing persons or find somebody that, you know, others are concerned about. Or say you're trying to find some dangerous criminal or drug dealer or murderer even. But uh, it, for anyone that wants to get into OSINT being like a full-time job, a PI is is one of the better better ways to go, I think. Would it be possible to like provide maybe just some insight into the industry of private investigation? So you mentioned that you, you know, got on with a firm. So I'm guessing that there are companies out there, you know, that that that, that do private investigative work. So there's this, you know, stereotype of like the private investigator is just some individual, you know, they normally have a, a dead partner and then the woman walks in with the job like that. That That's the trope of like the noir private investigator, but they're actually just more like companies that, that have employees like yourself. You want to talk through like the structure of PI work? Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's different regarding like where you were, or where you live uh, geographically. Um, there's different requirements for even setting up a firm. Like where I'm at, it takes, uh, you have to get your PI license and then you have to have 2000 hours of supervised work. So working underneath fully licensed PI. And that's when you can apply for a security business license. And then you can open up your own uh, firm if you wanted to. I personally don't bother because I like my firm where I work at and they pay me good. What are some of like, what would be some of the advantages or I guess what would be the reason to get a PI license? Like I'm assuming that's, that's a requirement to work for an investigative yes, company, but are there any like, is it, is it something that just a solo OSINT person on the internet would want to consider pursuing? Are there any downsides to having a PI license? Are there, um, I guess uh, I'm just not that familiar with the process or with the licensure. 
yeah, the requirements and process to actually get a license, again, differs from where you are. Some places it's super easy. You just have to be 19 and do a course. In, say, California, you need a four-year law degree in order to even apply for a license. So if you live in California, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's very... Uh, it's hard to kind of explain because every state, every country, yeah. every province, it's always different because it's not on a federal, uh, light, like the license isn't on a federal, it's not on the federal level. So. Makes sense. You just basically look it up. But for someone who's just online OSINT guy and they want to do something, you don't necessarily need a PI license if you're just doing OSINT, but if you want to work in the professional industry and want to work with uh, ongoing legal cases or court cases, you'll probably need a PI license to do that. That makes sense. Um, does being a licensed PI, does that open up any like additional sources of information um, like if you're a licensed PI, like, does that give you access to databases or sources of information that might not be accessible to just the general public? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a few databases and things of that nature where like most people can sign up for, but it's really expensive. Uh, say if you have a PI license, you get the PI discount or a promotion and, and uh, you sometimes get access to like a federal database say like you want to run a license plate number it's highly regulated especially where I am to run a plate number because that information is just not public where I live but if you're a PI you can go in and you have like five to ten searches a month and everything you search up is logged and recorded and all your logins are recorded. It's super regulated, but yeah. And yeah, and so that was going to be, uh, yeah. And that was going to be my, my, my next point slash question that, you know, you, you probably do have access to a bit more information than the, the average person while simultaneously being held, being held accountable for how you use that information or, you know, having exactly, your searches yeah. recorded. Yeah. And I have to attach every search to like an ongoing uh, case number, file number, just so it's, if there's anything that, if say if that information gets leaked online or something, they'll know who to look for. Right. Yeah. Okay. They'll know who um, to charge. <laughs> <laughs> um, you hit on something really interesting. And I think this is probably the, probably the most common question I see or that I've I've seen both in the Trace Labs Slack and the Trace Labs Discord. Whenever someone pops into the uh, community, I can always tell they're brand new because they're asking, I have a license plate number. How do I turn that into an address? Like, oh, you must yeah. be new here. <laughs> yeah, it's a little harder than just that. <laughs> well, I mean, some places, some states, yeah, you can look up a plate number and get a person's name. And then pivot off that, you know, look their name up in the phone book, boom, address. But say if you live in places like Canada, good luck. 
you can't just run a plate and get a name and address like that requires access to federal and or provincial databases yeah and you know anyone that's ever googled that question there are a ton of websites that will allegedly give you that information you know for a fee um one i've I've heard reports of mixed results on the information they're giving back, but two, there's a pretty big disclaimer with that information. You know, you you mentioned, you know, some of the searches you might do in a proprietary database are all being logged. Um, all of these sites have a huge disclaimer on there, at least in the, uh, the US. There are some kind of vague laws around what you, you know, when you should be searching for this information and then how you use that information. Um, so I, I encourage people that even though they're doing an OSIT investigation, you know, please be aware that how you use this information could be regulated, even though getting the information might not be as regulated. Yeah. Just don't be malicious. Don't be, uh, don't be an ass, you know, say someone cuts you off in traffic. What are you going to do? Take their plate number down and, you know, essentially dox them, go to their house and beat them up. You know, that's not cool, but that's, I guess that's why they have to have these legal display disclaimers because people do do that stuff, you know, mm -hmm. it's a sick world out there. Yep. Yeah. When you, I mean, it should be as simple as don't be shitty, but yeah, we, essentially don't, we don't, don't be shitty, <laughs> but we don't live in a simple world, unfortunately. Something else that's always really impressed me just based off of our interactions in the Trace Lab, Slack, and Discord is I, I, I'm always impressed by the amount of information you, you're able to share with the community while still having really tight OPSEC. Do you want to talk through like that balance? Like how, you know, if you, if you want to be a part of a community, it can sometimes be a trade-off, but I feel like you've done a really good job of interacting with the community while still insulating yourself yeah i mean privacy opsec it's a full-time job that's for sure even right now i'm using a voice changer because i don't want to leak my voice print online and that's just my own personal paranoia and i guess my professional just with the job that i work i work a lot of legal cases and uh, with a lot of you know criminal syndicates, gangs, you know, dangerous fucking people. And uh, if I were to expose myself, then, you know, that could be, could be deadly. That's a, that's an extreme example, but privacy comes with the sacrifice of convenience. Yes. And I think as I mentioned on an OPSEC episode we did a while back, by the time you realize you need OPSEC, it's probably it's too, too late. late. <laughs> <Yeah>. Whoops. <laughs> yep. um, but it's never too late to get better. So I yep. don't want people to get discouraged. And, you know, to your own point, you know, your threat model or your use case is probably at fairly extreme end of the spectrum and yeah, for good a lot reason. higher than most people when yes. i tell people like oh i'm super private opsec is you know very important to me and they just call me paranoid schizo but it's like hey you call me whatever you want but you can't google me i can google you 
you Google my real name, zero results. And I try very hard to keep it that way. So yeah, so I would I would encourage anybody who is, you know, just getting into I mean any any community, but we'll just say the OSINT community, just you know, be mindful of how much you're sharing and what you're putting out there because especially when you're interacting with a community of, you know, amateur and professional investigators, the less you have out there about yourself, the better off you're gonna be. That's exactly right. In investigative work, is there kind of a methodology that you sort of stick to at the beginning of an investigation? I mean, obviously it's probably gonna change from case to case, but do you have kind of a set of steps like, okay, I start by Googling or I start by seeing what pops up on Facebook or I start by, um, is there kind of a structure to how those investigations start? Or a framework a maybe little bit, within. yeah. It's it depends on what the client wants and what information I get right off the bat. Say if they just give me a name, well, I'm just going to start Facebook, Google, Instagram, uh, you know, Twitter, and then you know I'll find their account, find a username, pivot off that, look that username up on other services, you know, look it up in data breaches that sort of thing, and then find more information, pivot, go off that, get more information, pivot, repeat. But it always starts with Google or just search engines and social media. Or say there's been times where I've been provided with nothing but just a picture of somebody. So, you know, a reverse image search the picture on Yandex because they have facial recognition switched on. Usually it sucks, uh, but sometimes I you get a hit. I've also used PimEyes a lot. That's actually a pretty good service, but you know there are a little they're they're kind of shady the way they operate. But their AI was good. That's a good pivot into my next question. So when we're talking about tools or services, like there's certainly a ton of value, but I'm curious from your experience, like free stuff versus paid services, do you tend to find, do you tend to get what you pay for or are most people just better off sticking with what's free? Like what's been your experience as far as paid versus Uh, free? Honestly, I stick with free tools for the most part uh, because like the information that these other Places like, say, Pipple or Spokio, they're getting all this information from free services, right? Like, they're just scraping the internet and then consolidating it all into one document and then selling you it. So, I mean, if you want to take, you know, the extra couple hours to actually just locate that information, you're going to get pretty much the same information. But when it comes to services like PimEyes, for example, just... Like there's no other service out there like PimEyes and it's, it's awesome. It's a great service, but just never use your real credit card, use prepaids and use VPNs and burner emails and, you know, basically uh, make a sock puppet for the, these things that you're, you're purchasing. 
Yeah, and that's a great call out. So, you know, and hopefully people already think about this when they're signing up for these services, but you're signing up for a service to get information on people and you're giving that service all of your personal information. Yeah, um, exactly. So that, that should like, be... What a, do you think they're going to do with that? Yeah, um, or assuming that every company is going to be breached at some point in time. So if Pipple, you know, if all of their customer data just got dumped, like, do you really want your name, address, credit card, email, just there in a breach for someone to... Look yeah, at, or even or... worse, you know, your search history. It's like, oh, great, you have, you're trying to find this porn actress on PimEyes. Oh, here's your name, your address, your credit card number. Here's the images you searched. Like, that's, uh, you know, that could be pretty incriminating or embarrassing. Yeah, or to go back to the example of employers, you know, if you signed up for this with your work email. Um, exactly. So... And so like yeah, so if lose the your Pipple, job. yeah, or if the Pipple database just got dumped, and I'm digging through there, well, hey, let's see what at, you know, Tom's Investigation Service dot com has been searching for. Like it's like so. Yeah, and then all your investigations are now compromised. Yeah, so, so yeah, I would I would I would caution people to consider that when they're signing up for a service who's revenue stream relies on information but also calling out that most of these services don't have access to like top secret databases like they're just doing automated OSINT like they've yeah, just managed just to like it, Intel like IntelX they're a great service super expensive or not really worth it in my opinion but all they're doing is just scraping on internet for data and then making it searchable which is great. It's a great service, but I think they charge a little too much personally. But again, never sign up with personal information. Use burners. Yep. Yeah, I'll say my my limited interaction with paid services has usually been useful, but again, it's 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 nothing that was not findable somewhere else. It was just either a test, you know, do it on myself. Um, or it's, you know, it's information that I could have found somewhere else, but this was just more convenient. Yeah. It's convenience you're paying for really. Cause like you want to spend an hour looking for someone's address or five minutes, you know, yep. it's a trade off. When it comes to OSINT tools and services, I've probably said this on every single episode, so I'll say it here too. I encourage people to learn how to do it the hard way because the majority of OSINT tools out there are automating a manual process or they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're using an, an, an API to interact with a service that you could be interacting with manually. And I really urge people to understand the process before they flip over to tools. Like what are your thoughts on, tools versus just doing it the hard way or the manual way i would agree it's the same thing with you know pen testing there isn't just some magic tool that you can run and hack everything in sight you won't be able to hack anything if you do not first fully understand how it works and the same thing goes for osint you know you 
you should always know how to do it manually because tools break they get outdated and if you don't know how to find it without a tool you're essentially fucked excuse yeah. my french <laughs> no that because that's 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 the truth um <clears throat> i i really encourage people to understand you know if you use tools that's great like again it's a it's a convenience it's a time saver but just understand what the tool is doing so you can either fix the tool improve the tool or survive when it does break exactly like i use tools all the time but you should still know what they're doing and know how to do it manually yeah and that's the that's the nice thing about OSINT tools is the vast majority of them are going to be open source. A lot of them are just one, a single Python script. So yeah. if, you, if, if you have even a basic understanding of coding, maybe not even Python, just open it up and yeah. there it is. It's just, it's probably going through the steps top to bottom. There may be some functions in there, but it's all right there in front of you. So you can dig yeah. in. Could always you know add an, another api that you paid for or something mm -hmm. and integrate your needs into the script yeah or um actually i I, ju I just dropped a video like this in the trace labs discord recently but like you can learn osint techniques or you can learn osint um yeah just techniques by just going through these tools like hey what is this tool doing oh that's cool so it's it's structuring a search url in a certain way i had no idea you could do that yeah i've learned a lot of tricks that way just vetting stuff on github it's like hey that's that's super interesting like i didn't know you could do that <laughs> now yeah. i do do you find yourself like coming back to the same handful of resources um, like, oh, hey, like, you know, I keep coming back to X, Y, and Z. And some of the, I like just kind of going back to a lot of the resources that you drop. Like some of them are very particular. Like here's a list of, you know, uh, here's the geo coordinates of all U.S. naval installations throughout the world. That's oddly specific. <laughs> um, it could be useful, yeah. <laughs> um, but probably not something you're going to reference, you know, on on the daily like but are there some like resources or tools you just come back to like again and again yeah there's there's a few you know the internet archive archive today those are i use those for every investigation man every like those are the probably the most besides search engines like google wayback machine super right. valuable um for for people that are new could you go into why or how that's valuable in an investigation? Well, because uh, people change things, right? And what these archives do is allows you to look at the changes. You know, these sites, Wayback Machine, Archive Today, you can archive Facebook profiles, Instagram profiles, third-party services for Facebook and Instagram. So say if they change their username on Instagram, you can look that up and maybe get a hit and then, oh look there's uh they changed their username recently or they've deleted a post but hey i can still see it along with most of the metadata that's included that in that post or 
whatever they changed. So now I have a, an extra username that I could go search up. I could pivot my investigation from. And if you're sticking just to, you know, Instagram or any service like that, you're kind of limiting yourself into like the information you can find. A lot of like Instagram profiles and Facebooks, they're not archived commonly, but sometimes you get lucky. So it's always worth looking. Yeah. And, um, fun fact, um, the Wayback machine does grab tweets. So, um, it, you know, so that's, that, that's one thing that does get archived. And when it comes to the subject of like change or deletion or removal, when it comes to people, I found just as much, if not more value in what they've deleted or what they've changed than what they actually have posted. So just from a human behavior point of view, I'm typically much more fascinated by the things people removed or decided they didn't want public anymore or the things like, you know, what did you change about your profile? Did you, you know, was it the location? Was it your job? Was it a quote? Like I'm like, I'm always much more fascinated by the change than what's on there right now. Yeah, I am too. I, I find it interesting. Like, what are you ashamed of? What are you hiding? Because once you find that out, you can read a person. Basically, yeah. you know everything you need to know about them. Yep, and that's why, at least that's the value that I found in things like the Wayback Machine. So if it's my personal blog, you know, what posts don't I have up anymore? You know, and then... And then what might you be able to extrapolate from that? If it's, if it's my Twitter account, you know, what tweets have I deleted? Um, those, those can all be really useful in, in, in investigation. And I feel like the Wayback Machine Internet Archive um, tends to be not overlooked, but especially people that are new to OSINT, it can, it can be an easy resource to miss or to maybe not fully understand its value. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I I always have the archives open. Just I have one open right now in my tab. <laughs> Do you have any advice or any guidance for people that are brand new to OSINT? Whether it's the Trace Labs Discord, any of the other great OSINT communities out there, um, people that are just getting in, are there some things you wish they would know or things they should? adhere to or experience like just some some tips for the beginners out there or even to the people that have been around for a while that just don't know any better like myself if you if someone's you know trying to get into OSINT they don't really know what to look up or who to investigate investigate yourself you know more about yourself than anyone else so see what you can find look up your address your name phone numbers emails uh, old passwords whatever see what you can find and then once you find all these you know accounts that you had when you were 12 you can go ahead and start you know filling them in with false information or just totally removing them so that way you're cleaning up your footprint and having some fun doxing yourself basically 
I do it uh, at least once a month just to myself just to see if there's anything out there and even something that says, say it includes my real name in some PDF on some WordPress site. I'll just submit a DMCA takedown. It's like, hey, you published my information without my consent. Please take it down. Yes. Anyone that wants to even just get better at OSINT, start with yourself. Um, I, 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 I like the point you made that you are the expert on that information. So you're in a very unique position to understand how much it's it's revealing and is that correct or not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the thing that I always try to impart on people and like I really work hard in the community to make sure they understand this is what you do with the information you find is much more important or much more critical than what you found and how you found it. So just because you're able to find something doesn't mean that what you're doing with that information is okay. Back to our, you know, back to the tagline, just don't be shitty. Like just because you found your ex-girlfriend's boyfriend's parents' address, that doesn't make it okay to like drive by their house. (laughs) Yeah. Or um, like some guy called you a name on Xbox live and you found his home address. It's just like, what do you, you're going to post his docs on docs bin? Like don't be shitty. That's yeah. Don't publish information like that. First of all, it's illegal in most places. Like, only do that if you like jail. Yeah, and I kind of look back on the, maybe the moral or the ethical consequences of in, of investigative work. And not, like, I'm, you know, I, I, I kind of have that luxury because I don't do this professionally. So my my livelihood isn't dependent on you know, the outcomes of the investigations I partake in. But I really urge people to think about how the information they're finding is going to be used. So in the context of Trace Labs, you know, we're just passing that information on directly to the law enforcement agencies handling a missing persons investigation. So I think we can all pretty you know rest fairly assured that 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 information is being used you know correctly but if you're kind of just out there freelancing just finding information for people that are paying you i would really urge you to take a step back and consider how that information is being used do you have any thoughts on kind of the rogue osit investigator scenario that I, i just described um yeah, I mean, say if some, like, you don't know who you're working for, right? Like, if you're, especially if you're doing freelance, could just be some, you know, some Coke dealer that's like, oh, I need you to find this, uh, this guy. He owes me money. I need you to find him for me. I'll pay you a thousand dollars. Most people would be like, cool, a thousand dollars. But it's like, you know, you, you could be possibly putting that guy's life in jeopardy. You know, it's it all comes down to ethics, whether you agree with that or not. But 
you should always vet who you're working for is what i say that's a really Just good make way sure, of yeah it. make sure they're not some sketchy shady coke dealer or you know arms dealer or something like that or hired gun or driller or something you don't want to work for people like that yeah and <sighs> I think the example I've used in the past is just because it's not illegal doesn't mean it's okay. And the the scenario I laid out um, in a talk that I gave once was, let's just say you have a buddy and he comes to you and says, hey, I think my wife is cheating on me. You know, can you look into it? And you do. And you find out she is and you give him the address of the person that's been, you know, having an affair with his wife. And your buddy goes and kills that guy. So yeah, legal, so, you're so an accomplice. Yeah. So depending on on how involved you were, maybe you're now an accomplice to murder. But even if you're not, that's still kind of on you. Now, if if you're okay with that, is going to be a personal choice. But I really urge people to think through the consequences of their investigations, especially if they're not working with you know directly with like law enforcement or a company that you know does this professionally if you're just out there on your own i really caution you to like like you said just understand who you're working for or working with yeah it's very important because say if you're working for the wrong person and say you can't find the information they're looking for maybe they'll come after you who wants that yeah not me (laughs) well this has been a really great conversation and I'm not gonna lie I'm a little bit sad because I've got this like nagging feeling that either one we've already met in real life or someday I'm just gonna be at DEFCON or at a conference and I'm gonna have a conversation with you I'm gonna have no idea <laughs> that you are on the podcast but that's totally okay um, th- this has been a great conversation I really appreciate you taking an hour out of your day to hang out with me if people wanted to find your resources, they wanted to find the things that you post, well, where would they find them? Uh, you can follow my Twitter at oshint underscore. I also keep everything up on GitHub, which is just oshint. That's the GitHub username. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the only places I post. Also Discord, I use the same username. Nice. Well, thanks again for hanging out with me. This has been a great conversation and I look forward to our next one. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was fun. This has been another episode of breadcrumbs. If you'd like to learn more, you can find us online at tracelabs.org on Twitter at tracelabs. But if you really want to find us, just follow the breadcrumbs. 